Hey, busy business people. I am here today with another entrepreneur taking action, Chris Templeton. He created a universal tool to help you get more clarity on what's most important to you. And I'm getting the scoop today on what it is. So to kick things off, like you created this universal model or tool that gives you clarity on what's important. Like what made you decide to take that journey and even create that in the first place? Well, I, I don't think that initially it was the plan was to do this. I mean, it wasn't to do this. And um, what happened was I, I read a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, all about being in the moment. And he talks about one of the things he talks about is how great we are at driving ourselves crazy in certain parts of our lives. And see that smile? Like, I was not smiling. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. That's all out there. That's not me. Um, (laughs) But within, within a few minutes, I'm sure I was like, oh, man, it is me. And then, you know, you start to look at your life and you're like, oh, my God, there are plenty of places where I really do drive myself crazy. And so... Uh, what happened was I being in business on my own, working with, you know, coworkers and clients and vendors, um, I just began to play with this idea and it just wouldn't leave me alone. So the first thing that, that he talks about, uh, one of the first things he talks about in the book is this idea of what's your story? And we've all heard that. But, you know, what I ended up doing is coming up with three questions to start. What's the story I'm telling? Is it serving me in this moment? Like this is the most important part of the model because it gets us past all the garbage of my background and my emotions and blah, blah, blah. So is it serving me in the moment? And then the third question is, is there a more, assuming it's not serving you in the moment, is there a more authentic story I can tell? And so those ended up being the three questions. And You know, when you look at your thinking as stories, and one of the reasons I I choose stories as my word for that, and we'll talk about, you know, the value of words that work for you based on who you are and your background, but I chose stories as the idea for what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, the pictures in my head, because it's inherently editable. Like, I want people to think about when they say, what's the story that they don't think of it as fact with me? Yep. I like that. So when you start to look at your thinking as stories, basically two kinds, what I'm telling myself about myself, which often are uh, less than pleasant. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that me driving myself crazy, and and then what I'm the stories I'm telling about the world around me, my relationships with my, my coworkers for business people, my vendors, my clients. You know, there's so much thinking that we do that we have a tendency without these three questions to kind of say, well, you know, my thinking is fact. And the minute that you think your thinking is fact, and that is that, you're in a load of trouble, unless it's unless it's really authentic. But if you, And even then, I think most people who are thinking authentically 
don't really look at it that way. They're like, let me get the whole story. Let me make sure that I'm incorporating all the different elements of what I'm thinking about so that I'm able to make better decisions. And you know what? I mean, going back to this whole business idea of helping business people, the amount of things that we think are fact that just aren't, oh, my employees, God, why don't they understand what I'm going through? Great question. Why don't they? Um, You know, this vendor misbehaved. What am I going to do about him? My client just doesn't seem to get it. Like all these things. And and so we have a tendency to just kind of stop there. And that is bad, (laughs) especially if you're in business trying to make a living, right? Yeah. So what happens is, In getting these three questions together, one of the things that occurred to me is that the second question, what's the story I'm telling, is a binary question. It's either, it. it, I'm sorry, the second question is, is this story serving me in this moment? And that's binary. It's either no, it's not, or yes, it is. So the way that I think of it is if you took a piece of paper turned it on its side. On the top left, you wrote question one, what's the story I'm telling? Question two is, is it serving me in this moment? And from there, you draw a line across the paper. And then the last question, number three is, is there a more authentic story I can tell? And so what, from my model, what my perspective is, is anything that's above the line, thinking stories that doesn't serve you, um, we call that little me land. Where, where, where we let our, our cranky selves fly and we tend to be very, anything above that line is, tends to be very based in fear. Matter of fact, I don't think that, that there's any thinking above the line that isn't triggered by fear. And then below the line, love this. What do you think the opposite of fear is? Oh man. I kind of almost want to say like hope or something along those lines, but that's I don't know if that one. makes sense. Well, that's that's a good one. And I think that the one that I read in a dictionary was that the opposite of fear is curiosity. Think about the difference. When we're in, when we're above the line in little me land and we're fearful, basically what we want to do is just put it away. <sighs> and think about as business people how many things were just like, uh, no, I'll deal with that later. Uh, I don't want to deal with that. And, and so when you recognize that that story about whatever it is, vendor, employee, client, uh, manager, whatever, when I look at that and say, is this serving me? And we just seem to know, like we just seem to know whether it's serving us or not. It's not a question we like to answer because up above the line, like, oh, I really would prefer not to look at that. Uh, But when we look at that and go, oh my God, it's not serving me in the moment. Then the question is, what do I do to bring that thinking, that story below the line into what I call authentic me land? Above the line, little me land, I'm cranky, I'm fearful. Below the line, authentic me land where I am um, curious, I'm hopeful. I'm very solution oriented. One of the things that's very typical above the line is 
uh, I have a problem orientation. Uh, oh my God, you can't believe what I had to deal with constantly today. Constantly putting out fires, constantly dealing with problems. It reminds me of something somebody told me yesterday. They said that negative energy is expensive. It's like above the line, you're paying a very heavy tax on your very limited amount of energy that you have in a day below the line. It's like now, you know, you have the same amount of energy, but you're using less to accomplish your task every day so you can get more done. And think about it. One of you know, uh, one of the things that I like to do is is kind of juxtapose juxtapose above the line versus below the line. Below the line, when I'm curious, when I'm not fear based, ease. There's just more I'm more at ease. Above the line is dis ease. Like and and you know, one of the things we don't talk about enough is when we think about our health. The thing that we don't talk about nearly enough is all the things that I do above the line that make me feel like garbage. And though you think those things, we know there's all kinds of scientific proof that when we're thinking a lot of negative thoughts and we're beating ourselves up, we are in a, a place where we're far more likely to have disease hit our body, regardless of, you know, any kind. Um, but when you understand that, you know, you're in a diseaseful, a lack of ease state up there and that it doesn't serve you, that is a great indicator of, okay, I'm going to take a step back. What can I do to make this story authentic? My employees, why don't they understand I don't know. Why haven't I told them what's going on with me as a, a business owner, that sort of thing? Like there's all kinds of things that we bitch and moan about above the line. It's like, well, wait a minute. What what do I need to do? To I have a friend that I, a very good friend of mine who was driving home the other day from, he's a caterer. And he's was so mad at my employees. They really blew it. They I don't understand. He's like, oh, then, then Chris... <laughs> I remember what you said. Oh, that's my fault that they don't know what I think they should know. And, and you know, we have this tendency above the line thinking as perfect example. I should only have to tell you once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's that worked for you when somebody told you once? Right. So these all these oh. little things that we say, oh, my God, there's so much that I can do to create more ease, have me more centered and more grounded, just with these three questions, just taking that time. Yep. And I always so think time. about it in terms of like reducing mental calorie load. And it's like, as soon as I thought about it that way, it impacted literally everything that I do um, from like managing myself, like in my own personal to-do list, you know, if I have something on there that's big, if I break it down into little steps the night before, so that when I sit down in the morning and my brain's still tired and sleepy and craving that first cup of coffee, that I reduced the mental calorie load to go ahead and get started. It changed how I worked with my staff. Like I looked at all of our processes and I was like, hey, when a writer sits down to write a blog article, like at Content Ninjas, for example, how can we reduce the mental calorie load for them to have to take on that tasks? And I ended up doing things that, you know, I later learned were, you know, business processes and proper delegation and whatever. But mm -hmm. I just approached it as how can I, re you know, lessen their mental calorie load. Did the same thing around my house for my kids with like chore charts and bill plans and systems for, you know, grocery shopping. So my kids are teens, um, pretty much adults and teens. 
But it's like doing those little things to reduce mental calorie load, reduce stress. It just, it helps. So I thought about it that way. Um, but it's it totally a great way to think about literally it. Literally everything. And, yeah. and think about how many things, you know, one of the things that I think entrepreneurs struggle with the most is they come into business. They know what they want to do. They're overloaded with all this other stuff. And they get stuck in this place of, it's just easier if I do it myself, right? How about adding to your mental calorie load doing that? And so understanding, like the authentic story is, you know what? That's something I don't want to do. That's something I'm probably going to have some time that I'm going to need to take to help this person know how to do it in a way that really works for me. And I'm also going to listen to that person about what they think will make their job more effective, more productive, all those things. So when you think about the the difference between, uh, I'll just do it myself, and I'm going to authentically go in. I know I need help here. This is what I'm, I know that it's going to be, there's going to be some tough parts of it, but that's worth it in the long run. The other thing that you said that I think is really important is this idea of breaking things down. What's, what's the book Atomic Habits? They talk about many little tiny things that just aren't these big, you know, when you look at it, what's the next steps versus what's the end point I'm trying to get to. Uh, it makes things dramatically easier and reduces mental calorie load. I love that. That is such a great, great <laughs> phrase. Yeah, that one's one that everybody kind of understood. So it's like even my managers inside of my different companies and stuff, if I talk to them about like, hey, how can we reduce the mental calorie load for these people? Like, I feel like they're getting stressed. I feel like they're, you know, it's taking too long for them to get things done. Like something that should only take an hour or two is taking days. And, you know, I I love one thing you said too. this whole idea of entrepreneurs feeling like, you know, we're the best one that can do it or it's faster or easier if we do it ourselves. And it's like the biggest thing I tell them all the time is like that may be true now. But is that what do you want this how you're living now to be your forever or do you want it to change? Like eventually, if your goal is that it needs to change, you could keep putting that off. Of course, you could. Why not put it off for as long as you can? But it's holding you back. And we like admire all of these other people, right? We always have these like other entrepreneurs that we want to be when we grow up. And if we look at them, do we really think that they're still writing their own blog articles? Do we really think that they're still scheduling their own social posts? Of course not. We know they're not. We absolutely know they're not. So why do we think that if we want to be them, that that's what we have to do? And 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 the thing becomes, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, the thing that's so fascinating about that is that's all above the line, little me thinking. Uh, You can feel the weight of it, can't you? And when you come below the line and say, okay, this is a part of my business that I really would love to turn over to somebody who loves to do it, who's excited to do it, because I'm not. And that's okay. Like we, I think the other thing above the line thing is that we should, we should love to do every part of our business. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. If you think or that like we you're, have to you're, grind, like you're not a good entrepreneur yeah. if you don't work 80 hours a week. And if you don't know how to do everything. And like I was talking to a guy the other day that he's teaching himself how to run uh, like YouTube ads and Google ads. I was like, why? He goes, well, I'm going to hire somebody eventually to do it. And I want to know how, like, Why? You're going to hire someone. Why do you want to? He's like, I just like learning things. And I'm like, okay, but is learning that particular thing going to help your business? 
Well, and not only that, to them. It's like put the energy into learning how to hire, put the energy into learning how to choose the right person for the job and to making sure that you under like that's there's so much energy that goes into that that I think people don't realize. Like we kind of know it, which is why we put it off. But like we don't think about we don't have to learn how to do this thing. We can put, you know, that same energy into learning how to hire a person, the right person, and learn how to communicate with them and work with them so they can do it the way we want. And use that as our first test of working with somebody. Explain to me how this works in a way that make, that I can understand. You know, I always talk about, and uh, I've spent most of my career in online marketing. And, you know, I always say to my clients, look, I want to help you to make an informed decision. I want you to feel good about what you're doing. And man, talk about re relaxing people. And the same thing, same thing goes with hiring a vendor to do something like that. So yeah, you know, hiring it's, an employee or, you know, and like uh, <coughs> leveling up an employee and giving them more responsibility. And I think most people, once they've done it once or twice and they've had a good experience with it, there's no going back. That's when they start really scaling. I mean, I had that same experience myself. Like I put somebody in charge over at Content Ninjas and she owned it. She stepped into that role and she was like, on day one, Christina, these are some things we need to do differently. And I'm like, okay, tell me what you need from me. Like, I agree. Because, like, that was her thing. She owned it. She was going to do a better job with it than I ever would because that was all she was focused on. And she did a much better job of it than I would, still does to this day. Um, and you just, there's no going back once you've done that. Then you start wanting it more and more. Like, once you go, I guess, to the other side of the line uh, in your yeah. model, it's like you just don't ever want to go back. Well, why would you? And it's not to say that you can ever be to a place where you're never going to go above the line into little me land. But you're you're more likely to not get as emotional about it and and to get as dialed into it and even when you are dialed into it and really struggling with something even just knowing that I can you know thinking about what I do want even though I'm stuck in this place right now which is okay like the last thing we want to do is fight that when we kind of get okay with it we can also have our thinking be below the line even though our emotions are above the line does that make sense so well, I can be really frustrated with somebody and, and still, even though I'm frustrated and struggling with it, still have my thinking below the line. Okay. I know I'm stuck right here. Like that is huge. I want to share a quote with you. Uh, my favorite mm -hmm. quote on the face of the planet is by a guy named uh, Victor Frankl. And he was a psychiatrist who went into the concentration camps during World War II. And he saw tons of people give up on life and somehow in the midst of the most deplorable circumstances the the worst treatment that anybody could ever expect he was able to retain meaning in his life as a matter of fact the the, the book that he wrote that's very famous is called man's search for meaning and I read this in Stephen Covey's um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People years and years ago, but it just stuck with me. And it's this, between stimulus and response, there's a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And so think about when you're above the line, the space between stimulus and response is pretty much non-existent. Uh, there goes 
Jimmy again, doing what he does, making me crazy. Like no space between stimulus and response. But basically when you ask the question, fight, flight, or freeze, basically. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Above the line is very, very tied in a lot of ways to fight or flight response. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk yeah. a little and bit about I think about people it. forget the third one when they think fight or flight, which I feel like happens to a lot of business owners. I mean, it's fight, flight, or freeze. freeze. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're in that kind of primal mindset where you're just reacting and, you know, responding to problems and you're not being proactive, that's what's going to happen. Every time, like an email will come in, you'll just be like, ah, oh, you know, you'll have that voicemail from that client. Everybody knows the one. And, and you're going to do one of the three. Like, you know, that'll be that email you don't answer for three days. Yep. And it's still sitting there and it's stressing you out. And it's just like you look at it every time you go to your inbox or you stop going to your end. Like, <laughs> you kind of flee and stop checking your emails. And, yep. I mean, we've all had those. You know, we all oh, have those moments, which is just paralyzing. Yeah. And, and it's a great point. I, had, I hadn't heard freeze until just recently, like in the last month. But that's totally so much of what happens above the line. And so anyway, if you think about this idea of creating space, what's the story I'm telling? Okay. Oh, there's a little space. Is it serving me in this moment? Hmm. Maybe it's not. Is there a more authentic story I can tell? Even more space. So go back to your example of your person that's writing, running content ninjas for you. When I'm above the line, I'm very fixed in my thinking. I'm very black and white, that sort of thing. So you go in, say, you know what? I really think I need somebody to to handle this. And now if I really want to nail this, and this is what you've done, is I come below the line. I'm open to learning. I'm open to the idea of not having to deal with this part of my business on a day-to-day detailed basis. And if I'm really good at it, I'm also super open to hearing what that person says. And so when you think, one of the things that I think is that that business people miss a lot, and we hear it all the time, but when you think about what a primary focus for a, a business person is, is to create space below that line for everybody you work with doesn't mean that they won't go up above the line. But when I create a space where they trust me, they know that, you know, one of the things that I love is accountability. You know, people are like, oh, accountability, that's the above line version of it. But the below the line version of it is, hey, dude, I'm here to help you. I'm going to ask you questions. Some of them may make you uncomfortable, but it's all because I'm here to have this be as good for you as it can be and as good for me as it can be. What? I've never had a manager say that to me. Well, you're going to hear it a lot because it, it's not going to take just one time for you to kind of figure this out and think about how many people you've worked with that to get them to a place where they're not nervous around you and they don't feel like they're being judged. Like we have all this baggage of employees that we need to really be cognizant of. And and the beauty of this model of the model is it's very prescriptive. Like when I understand that this is how I work and this is how everybody else works, then I understand that my goal as a leader is to get people below that line where we're all 
working on the same page. We're comfortable. We're at ease with each other. We feel grounded. We're curious about what we can do. We're not afraid to make mistakes. Like that is a tall damn order that I think, I don't know, 60% of managers and business owners just completely miss. I mean, I've got clients that think that their employees are just a nightmare and a pain in the butt. And guess what? If that's what you think, it's not going to change on its own. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I feel so, like that's something that's so hard for, you know, business owners to adopt sometimes. It's like, if there's a mistake in the company, it's my mistake. It's like, once I learned to adopt that, it, it did a lot of things for my employees. I mean, A, it gave them freedom to make mistakes. It gave them freedom to talk to our clients and not have to feel like, oh my God, I'm going to screw this up. And they're going to like, okay, so you screw it up. It's okay. I'll step in and fix it. It's okay. It's my mistake. I'll handle it. Like, so don't but, be afraid, but, you know? But also a big piece of handling that is helping that person who's made the mistake to deal with it properly. Like I had a, a woman that used to work for me you know, when, before I was a, an entrepreneur and she really screwed up with my boss. And I'm like, Val, you need to call Frank. You need to talk, talk to him. You need to apologize for getting cranky with him and he'll be great with it. And I got your back. Like think of the difference of yeah. that versus I'm just going to step in, which is not suggesting you were doing, but we have a tendency to, Oh, I'll take care of it. Oh my God. That is like the nah, worst thing I do it that from that do. same approach that I have your back. Like, I think I have yeah. said that to every single one of them when they've had a problem, when they've said something they didn't need to say. And I'll be like, go ahead and send them an email. It's like, if they get upset about it, it's okay. I've got your back. Like, I'll make sure, like, we'll be okay. You know, and I've said that phrase. I don't know how many times. As soon as you said that, it was like, yeah, I use that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, you know, I, I think that one of the things we also miss is that to be a good leader, we need to be a really good follower. Like, I want to follow your lead. And if I think you're off, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some great feedback in a, in a way that's not accusatory or cranky because accountability below the line is a great thing. Like, we love, think about the bosses that you've had or the people that you've worked with that have been open and say, you know, got to tell you. That's not really working for me. Really? Great. Let's talk about what that is. And so, you know, being that person that can follow their, their vendors, their clients, their employees with their, what they're thinking and really taking the time to be curious about it, it's a game changer in terms of how we approach business. And I, I, I can't tell you the number of people I've seen who just, you know, just don't get that. And that's one of the things that was really important to me about putting this thing together. You asked, you know, did you intend to? No. But once I started going through this process of putting this together, it had to be super simple. It had to be commonsensical. No woo-woo, you know, if, in my model, which you can see at otherstorieswetell.com, you'll see that there's a place at the bottom of the model where we talk about God or infinite intelligence or whatever you want to call them. Also talk about it in this little light of mine. Like we want to help people who want ourselves and to help the people that we work with to connect with that more often, that kind of inner knowing, that sort of thing. And, um, and we just blow it off too often, don't we? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of these skills are about to become a lot more important I mean, it's like we're we're seeing this what the great resignation, I think they're calling it right now, where employees are fed up. They're tired of being used. 
You know, it's yep. like they want to feel like they're a part of something. And the companies who are helping them do that, they'll retain their employees. The ones who are treating them like cogs in the machine on the assembly line, not so much. You know, I mean, it's going to be lose fascinating. Them. I think Amazon's going to be in a world of hurt in, in, in not a long time. Because when you think about it, their pool of employees at each of those fulfillment centers is pretty, it's, you know, you got to be relatively close and, and their turnover is so huge because that's the way people feel. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like they can go to the bathroom. My God, are you kidding me? Like there's all this stuff and you're right on the money. Now, more than ever, to be in a place where you run your business below the line, where you're authentic in who you are and how you deal with people, that is the most important thing that people want, especially Gen Z. I think they're the, the youngest ones where where they just like they're all about freedom. They're about quality of life. And I think going through COVID had people do a real wake up call of, oh, my God, I made it through this without some work that I was used to having. And, you know, I yeah, really they got their life back. It. They weren't having to travel. They weren't having to like, if they needed to go like prep dinner, like so many of them were saying they didn't have to eat out as much because they could go take a break, go to the kitchen, throw food in the crock pot in the middle of the day when they wouldn't have been able to do from the office. And I think they realized all of these little moments that added stress that put them above the line and they went below the line when they were able to work from home if they had the right boss. And I've seen some people doing some of just the craziest things with some of those like keyboard tracking and screen mm. recording things where they're trying to micromanage their employees. Those are to me, like I cannot imagine it puts me in that same mindset of the Amazon employees being afraid to go to the bathroom. Like, right. I, I can't even fathom if my boss was just looking at my screen like any moment, you know, or could turn yep. my webcam when they wanted or was tracking my every, like, why? Well, like, who about do you it. want to be that way? Why would you do it to your employees? Is there any possible way that a manager could authentically put that kind of a system into place? That is all above the line thinking. You have to have such a lack of trust. And the thing that's so amazing to me about this is that lack of trust breeds it in the rest of the company or whoever's yep. below you. Like you're doing exactly the thing that's going to create more angst and versus somebody who has the wherewithal to say, you know what? I'm not going to track your, I would never track. I didn't, wouldn't do this with my kids. I mean, I kept an eye on them, but you know, with an employee, I would never do that because I'm Im immediately you know, this is one of the things, one more concept that I use a lot. We talk a lot about, I've always talked about the ego. And I say above the line is not the ego. It's called, the, I call it the protector, capital P, because I want to honor him like we or her as the case may be. Um, and, and that protector is always looking at the worst case scenarios, whether it's about us, our employees, our customers, our vendors, blah, 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 blah. The role of that protector is to keep me cognizant of those things. And I don't ever want the, the protector to not do that. Those are important things. It's all the fight or flight and freeze stuff. But I want to put that protector 
in balance. And so that's where the authentic story is always going to be there. But the question is, how loud is he going to be? Oh, my employees, you should have seen what they did today. And, and, and that's yeah. where it stops. And now we're stuck in problem land. And that's where all micromanagement comes from. It's, a, it's about a lack of trust and then breeding that. That's the problem with the protector is he's really good at finding the problems. He has no ability to authentically solve them. <laughs> that, yeah. That's why you have or to, to stay get in its back. lane probably too and deal with the right problems. Cause like when I look at the people that are so concerned about making sure their employees are like productive down to the minute and they're clocked in and they're sitting at their desk like they need to be. It's like the real problem is that you don't know how to effectively manage performance. You don't know how to track based on performance. You know, if one person can get the job done in four hours, then pay them for the full day and let them leave after four hours. Like if the job got done, what does it matter to you? Do you really want to hire the person who's going to take eight? Why? Right. They've done faster. It right. costs you the same amount of money, but they don't effectively know how to manage performance and how to track performance. So the protector's looking at the wrong thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is when we start looking at what's important to us, it's not about measuring the hours. It's about the resulting product that my vendor or my employee has, has done. And so, yeah, it may be that I say, gee, she's working four hours a day and getting everything done. Maybe she needs a little bit more. And maybe Jim over there who can't seem to get anything done in eight hours needs to go. Now, one of the things that um, when I started my business, one of the things that I was adamant about with everybody that I brought in was I'd say, look, I'm here to support you any way I can professionally and personally. Most of my employees or most of my people were contractors. <clears throat> and I don't know what that would be. But here's the deal. If you're not a fit, if I'm feeling like there's a fit problem, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come to you and we're going to have a conversation about what's going on and see if we can correct it. And then the third thing that I'm going to do, if we can't correct it, is I'm going to get you out of the organization as fast as I possibly can, because I don't want you unhappy, I don't want to be unhappy, and I don't want everybody that you work with to be unhappy. And I've given that, I don't know, 25, 30 times over the years. I've never had one person go, wow, what a jerk. Like, everybody is like, really? So, so you're saying that... It's more important to you to have a healthy organization than it is to just try and please everybody and, and keep the employees. I went through, I think my first year in 2003, we went through about five people that we let go very quickly. And I'm so proud of that because the people that stayed were like, oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. And so and I think that's something know, people don't realize until they've let go of that first toxic employee or that first toxic oh, client. And you see the relief. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I had and, one client even that we let go that like my whole staff almost cheered when I, you know, I said, okay, it's done. They're gone. And they were like, yeah. And I mean, like the mood just, I mean, you'd have thought we had a black cloud on everybody's head in there. And the day I let that client go, they were just like, yeah. And so it was just, you don't, until you do it the first time. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, understanding that it's a process of growth and that we're all kind of figuring this out together. Nobody, I guarantee you, as much as that client was a problem, nobody had any idea of how big a problem that client was until they were gone. Great learning. Yep. Like, man, you guys, we've learned. Thank you to 
each of you that that shared your complaints about this this client and why there were a problem and what we tried to do to solve it so that you know so so there's this authentic way of dealing with things is that I feel good about the process that I went through to try and get them on board and then just as good about letting them go for everybody's sake, including theirs. Like those people that are just a problem, they need to go work with, with a company that that's how they work. Good riddance. Thank you so much. Uh, happy employees. Happy business yeah. owner. <laughs> well, it's the same so, with clients and employees. Like if they're not a good fit as an employee, if they're not a good fit as a client, they need to be working with somebody who is because that person's going to care. That person's yeah. going to help them and they're going to grow. And I, it just, they don't need to be with you, you know, and, and I make you know, an effort to try and find other people I can refer to, but sometimes yep. you just have to let them go, you know? Absolutely. And, and it serves everybody. And, and so, you know, I, I, there's so much as a business owner and an entrepreneur that you can do to, but it's got to start with yourself, right? Like, I, there's so much that I can do to make my life more centered and more grounded living below the line, but it starts with me. Like if I don't have a recognition of it in myself and that I'm the one that's driving me crazy, excuse me, it's not, it's not the employee, it's the employee's behavior, but it's my story about them. And then being able to deal with them effectively which is a below the line story. Wait, what is, what can I do to help Mary out to be more effective? And, and, you know, when I look at it that way, man, leadership is a whole different ball of wax than it is above the line, isn't it? And that's what we want. That's what everybody's crying out for. I mean, I've heard for 40 years or more about bad, I've heard it all my life, bad management, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, wait a minute. What are you doing to solve that problem? <laughs> yeah, I think there's so much power to that. Now, I know we've kind of hinted around a little bit and I've kept you for like 37 minutes here. We've hinted around a little bit about what you do and who you work with. And we know that you utilize your superpowers to help entrepreneurs and you have this tool and it helps them create a company culture. Like, do you have any final advice or tips that you'd like to share with our audience on how to you know, do things better as an entrepreneur? Yeah, a few things. N number one. Please, please look at every aspect of your life as practice. Like take the, take the burden off and let yourself make mistakes. Let yourself grow. It's all about practice. If you frame up your thinking and your life as practice, it's going to be a whole lot easier. And if you share that with people that you work with, look, this we're practicing to be better. Oh man, makes it so much easier. Recognize that your clients, your vendors, and your employees and contractors need you to help them below the line. It's never going to be an automatic thing. Don't expect that just because you said it once, everything's going to fall into place. But when you lay down kind of the the structure of what you want and that you want to really live below this line. And the beauty is I can see it in everybody else. And, and the last thing I would ever do is say, Oh, you know, Jimmy, you're in little me mode. You you need to knock that crap off. Right. That doesn't like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> How can I help you? 
Like, how can you seem like you're really upset? And having the courage to ask those kinds of questions goes so far. So practice is is the biggest one. As a leader, it's all about getting below that line with yourself first and then with everybody that you work with one at a time. Sometimes they're going to go above the line and that's okay. You can I like all back. of that. I think it's all really good advice. Uh, to kind of wrap everything up today, like tell us more about you, like who you like to work with, how you help people, and where they can find you. Well, uh, so this is something that I started developing in 2003, believe it or not. So it's been 18 years. And um, I've got a website at ohthestorieswetell.com. And you can find, um, uh, see the full model, which we've only kind of touched on the, the basics of it. Uh, you can also reach me if you are a business owner that's struggling with this and how to kind of implement it in your life. I would love to chat with you. Um, I am, I will, I do sessions where I will sit down with you. We'll do a recording like this. You get the recording, you get the transcript of the, of the, an automated transcript of the meeting. And we'll just sit down and talk about what are the issues that are bugging you. And, and really what I bring to the table from that standpoint, and I want to just take a step back. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a coach. I am just a guy with a model that, that it, once you internalize it, you won't need me anymore. This is all about finding out that you have all the answers you need in you. You may need to go outside, but you're going to be the one that knows when it's time to go outside and get a little extra help, that sort of thing. So this model, once you've kind of in incorporated it, it changes everything. It changes how, I, for me, how I parent, the relationship with my wife is just mind-bogglingly good because I'm super good at staying below the line with her and she's now below the line with me all the time. So once you understand that, then it's easy. I can help with all of those things in terms of helping you to incorporate this model and help you to move thinking that's not serving you above the line in little me land into authentic thinking that does serve you and serves the people around you. So I'm very happy to do that. You can also find me at uh, Facebook at Oh, the stories we tell. If you search on YouTube, for Oh, the Stories We Tell, uh, one of the results will be a little thought bubble with Oh, the Stories We Tell written in it. And if you click on that, that'll take you to my YouTube channel. I've got about 20 videos up now, and there's an honesty project that a woman and I have been working on for about almost two years, where she just talks about issues that she's dealt with over the years. A lot of them are business related, so it's just a nice way to see that. So those are the main ways to get a hold of me, and uh, I would love to help anybody that's really just kind of stuck in little me land is recognizing it's time to get out of there. That's awesome, and I'll make sure that there's links. So wherever on the interwebs you were watching this recording at, there will be links to all of those resources um, listed below the video. So I'll make sure that's out there everywhere. But thank you so much for coming on the show today and for sharing all of your expertise with our audience. I think there's been a lot of really great things that I hope they learn and I hope they reach out to you for because I think there's some big things that we kind of covered that can be solved with simple solutions, which I love. Yeah. Simple solutions. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Well, entrepreneurs, guys, this is your call to take action to join our community at atatoday.zone and learn how to build a business that enables your lifestyle instead of taking over your life. Until next time, guys.